Well, good morning. Whether you're here with us in person or you are joining us online, welcome to worship today. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here. And usually I say, and you'll find sermon notes on the app, but this week was so busy, I did not do them. Do you know what happened this week? Michelle got commissioned. It was fabulous. And we went to our yearly annual conference, so all the Methodist pastors go. We used to go to Redlands, now we're going to Costa Mesa, much cooler there. And we, uh, about 700 of us gather, a layperson from each church, and um, so it was a really, really, really busy week. And um, I know, you know how you wake up in the middle of the night and you, I don't know if this happened, maybe I'm confessing things I shouldn't, but I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I think, where am I? Because I live several places, right? I live at my house, and then I also live up here, and I was at the hotel for this, and I uh, woke up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, it says 4.30 in the morning, or is this the afternoon? Have I been taking a nap? Like, I was having that kind of level of disorientation where I wasn't quite sure because it was such a busy week. So we are talking about transition, and we are looking at the most important things in times of transition. And we're talking about it specifically for us as a church because we are getting ready uh, for our new pastors to come. In fact, um, one of the things that was uh, making me a little insane this week was, you know how like you're ready for the change and stuff and then all of a sudden you think, I got lots of time and then you realize like, no, the moving truck is coming. So their moving truck comes and delivers stuff to the offices on Tuesday. And so I had to get Jeff here today to load a whole bunch of stuff into his car. You know, this is a time of transition. They start July 1, um, but they will preach. Their first Sunday will be July 10th, but you'll see them around um, before that. So we are talking about these important things in the midst of all the transition going on. And we're looking at what it means really to, to pause and to think about the foundation we want to build for our future as a church. Now, foundations matter. If you've ever lived in a house that had foundation trouble, you know foundations matter. I uh, remember when Jeff and I bought a house, and one of the reasons I loved this house was it had a like a little potting shed. This was before the days of the she shed. So it was really just a little potting shed. And um, I noticed when we moved into the house that the little potting shed seemed to be not quite steady. And we decided, oh, we'll take it down. And by we'll take it down, I mean Jeff will take it down. And then we will get a tough shed. So we got one of those tough sheds, but Jeff had to build like a foundation beforehand. And what he found out was that there was no foundation that that other little shed sat on. It sat on the dirt, and there was no uh, cement in the posts. It was just posts in the ground. And foundations really do matter. They're what keep things upright. They're what keep things moving forward. So we are talking about what it means to be in transition and what it means to build a strong foundation in our life. And and we're talking not just about church, we're really talking about any kind of transition. So if you've uh, just moved to the community or 
your kids have just gone off to college or you've just brought home a new baby or uh, whatever it is that's going on in your life, what we're talking about is really Jesus' words for us in the midst of transition because these are the words that Jesus shared with his followers as he was getting ready for his earthly ministry to end and for what was next to come. So Jesus gave his followers some guidelines. And over these four weeks, we're looking at what these guidelines are. And we started last week with the most important of the most important things. Do you remember what it was? Love. Love is the most important of the most important things. And today we're going to talk about the second most important thing. We're going to talk about vision. So let's hear our text for today. This is John 14, verse 1. And then we're going to skip to verse 23 through 27. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own, for I am te- what I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is talking with his disciples about this time of transition that he'll be leaving them and that one door is closing and another door is getting ready to open. And what I think the difference is, is the the door that is closing is this door from just believing in Jesus, and the door that is opening is the door to really what it means to follow Jesus. Now, what's the difference as we move from believing to following? Well, the difference is this. I I think there's, there's lots of people who believe in Jesus, Right in our world, if you just talk with people, I love Jesus. I totally believe in him. People say, I love his teachings. I believe that God sent him to the world. They may even say, I believe he's the savior. I, I believe that in him we find new life. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where we all start. I mean, it's where the disciples started, right? They started with belief. They had been with Jesus over these years And they had seen as he turned the water into wine, and he had fed the 5,000, and he had raised the dead, and he had multiplied loaves and fishes. They had heard his call to live in a new way. They'd come to believe in him. But it's really at this point in the story, as Jesus gets ready for what's next, and he's trying to ready this community for what's next, that He talks that while belief is good, it's not enough. There's more. We're called to do, to follow. The text talks about we're called to obey. Now, why isn't enough just to believe? You know, 
Isn't it good enough for us to believe? Well, I think it's not. I mean, yes, we should believe in the cross and its power. We should believe that Jesus came to save us and make us whole. But belief often just stops with something we think or maybe something we feel. Jesus came that we might live differently. And that will affect everything in our lives. In James 2.19, it says, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. There's lots of belief. But what matters is what's next. Does our life, our belief, line up then with how we live? Now, we know about this struggle in probably very personal ways. You know, you can believe you should exercise more. Anyone believe that? But then nothing kind of happens. Or you can believe that you should eat more kale. Who believes that? No, no. I, I, yesterday I had a, a kale and Brussels sprout salad, and it was really not even edible, right? but I believed that I should eat more of this, right? Or maybe you believe, you know, I got issues with anger. I should deal with my anger. Whatever it is you believe, you know, so think about something in your life that you believe, but it just kind of stays there. It's in your head. Maybe you have a desire, but there's nothing else that happens. There's a big difference between what we believe, what we think, and how we live. And I think there's a big jump that we're called to take, right? Between the things we think and then how we do what we do. And that jump from belief to being a follower is, I think, vision. That's what enables us to make that jump. Vision is what is the ability to see past today and its shortfalls, its limitations, into the future. In fact, if you want any kind of change in your life, you have to have at least a little inkling of a vision of where you're going and what it might look like. Vision calls us into what God can and what God will do. Living out of God's vision is what enables us to participate in what God wants to do in our lives and in our communities. That is why I think it's one of the most important things, especially in times of transition. So let's look at it a little more closely. So in our text, Jesus starts with this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So he starts here because he knows (laughs) in times of transition, we're going to be afraid. In times of transition, we're going to worry We're going to not know how it's going to go. It's human nature. It's human nature. They had no idea what was next. And sometimes when we're in a transition in our lives, we just can't see what's coming. And so we get afraid. Their response to Jesus' leaving, and I think our response a lot of times to transition, is to be fearful. And if that's where you're at today, whether it's regarding the church's transition or some transition in your own life, you know, acknowledge that. Be compassionate with yourself that that's where you're at. Jesus, at the end of his ministry, wants to remind us 
not to be troubled. You know, this verse, trust in God and trust also in me, can be translated believe in God and believe also in me. And that's where it begins. It begins with belief. But it doesn't end there. The rest of what we're reading today says this. Jesus says, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. So here is the big jump that takes vision. And that jump is between believing and then actually doing what God says. You know, Jesus says at the beginning, all who love me will do what I say. That's pretty clear, right? And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. I think we live out our love for Jesus by how we live our lives. We let God live in us, and then out of that, we're to obey what Jesus calls us to do and be in this life. So what did Jesus call us to obey? Um, years ago, I found this great list someone had put together about uh, some of the things that Jesus taught, and they put it together in such a great way. This is probably like 20, 25 years and I don't know who wrote these things, but I want to share them with you. They've kind of been my touchstone over these years. And this is in all of them, but this will give you a little bit of an understanding. So Jesus taught the way first is last. The way of success is service. The way of attainment is relinquishment. The way of strength is weakness. The way of security is vulnerability. The way of protection is forgiveness. The way of life is death. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. You want to get the most? Go to where there is the least. Want to be free? Give complete control to God. Want to become great, be the least. And want to get even with your enemies, bless them and love them and pray for them. This is the way of Jesus. And so I hope it's really clear and obvious why it is so much easier just to believe in him rather than to follow him. Right? If I just stop at believing, it's just some nice ideas I'm entertaining, like about eating kale. But if I follow him, that's going to change everything. That's going to change how I live my life. It's going to change how I spend my money. It's going to change who I welcome. It's going to change who I love. And to take this leap takes vision. Now, what is vision? And why is it important in this time for us? Here's what I think vision is. Vision is seeing God's ideal future for us, for our lives, for our churches. 
Vision is God, what God sees for us and wants for us. And we need vision in our lives. We need to have a vision of where we're going and where God is calling us. God's vision for our lives and for our churches will be so much more than we could ever come up with on our own. It'll be more inclusive. It'll be more challenging than we could ever imagine. In times of transition, vision matters. Because without vision, we're going to be tempted to say things like, here we go again, getting new pastors. What are we going to do without Pastor Michelle? Or first it was Sherry, you may have noticed. Then it was Nicole and Michelle. And I hear next the youth director is leaving. <laughs> vision matters. And it's easy to lose our vision. It happens all the time. You know, I uh, worked for the annual conference for the larger Methodist church for five years. And one of the things I did was I went to churches and helped them connect to their vision again. Connect to who they were and who God was calling them to be. And sometimes that was easy to do, to remind people. But sometimes it wasn't. And I'll never forget this one church. Um, I said, you know, I'm here to help you reconnect to your vision. And they said, okay, but first we're really focused on one very important thing in our church that we got to figure out. And I said, oh, okay, great, what is it? What kind of creamer we should serve at fellowship time? Should we serve whole milk or should we serve half and half? Should we have oat milk? Should we have the little creamers? And I thought, am I totally being punked now? And I, and I was not being punked. That's where they were stuck. They had lost all vision of where God was calling them to be because they were stuck. And this happens to churches, right? When everyone gets stuck on what color the carpet should be is another famous one people get stuck on. Here's the thing. One of the problems with transitions is they can be triggering for us. We will remember times when transitions have not been good in, my in our lives, and we may become anxious then. Transitions are often times when we will find ourselves sliding back into old fears and old anxieties. This is fear, and it is so human of us to be there. But God has so much more for us. Now, here's the most important line in today's sermon. So if you're thinking about lunch, for just one minute, give me your attention. God's response to our fear is his vision. God's response to our fear is his vision. You know, this line from Proverbs, maybe, where there is no vision, the people perish. There's some other good translations. Without revelation, people run wild. Can't you get that in your mind now? Or where there's no vision, the people get out of control. My favorite is, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Have you been part of a transition like that? First time I was ever part of a transition like that where I saw a whole group of people lose their vision, lose their understanding of the future was when I was in elementary school and we had a beloved teacher. He was amazing. And then one day he was just gone 
And by the time they got us a substitute, as a class, we'd kind of turned into one of those Lord of the Flies things. We were completely out of control. We lost our vision. I saw this in one of the churches I served. I went back to visit them like six months after I had left. They invited me back for something. And, and when I got there, I noticed that they had hung up a lot of signs that said, private property, no trespassing. And what had happened was the trustees of the church, the people in charge of facilities, had lost the vision of who they were as a church. And they had become anxious. And they had put up all these signs. And so I got some time with the trustee and was talking with him about this. And then I did what my son calls, I gave him the look. Now, if you're a mother, right, or a father, I don't know, do fathers give the look too? Oh, they get the look, sorry. <laughs> so I gave him the look, you know, I just gave him the... And most of those signs came down, right? They'd lost the vision because they were fearful in the midst of transition. We need a vision of the future in order to move forward. God's response to our fear is his vision. And his vision brings us peace. So let me remind you of who you are and what the vision has been in this church for what it means to be in ministry. First, our vision for ministry is in three areas of focus. Worship. Worship is the main thing here. That's why we spend so much time and energy. That's why we have such devoted people who give up their time weekly in our band and serving here in the back and serving as ushers and greeters. It is the most important thing. It's the thing that changes us more than anything else to take on and to obey that discipline of being in worship weekly. That's where God meets us, where we meet one another, and where we are changed. It is the top of what it is we are about. And then next is small groups. We believe that we actually grow not sitting alone by ourselves 100% of the time, but in community. Life against life. Discussion. We get sharpened as people. We grow in our understanding. Small groups are where we call everyone to be part of. And then last, service. We call everyone to be in service here at the church, in the community, depending on your gifts, depending on how much time you have. We all are called to these three things. They are key for us. They are the vision God has given us about what matters in our congregation. And second, our vision as community is centered on the values found in our seven things we know to be true. All means all. Everyone has stuff and that's okay. Your story is important. Families come in all shapes and sizes. God's love changes everything. The Bible has a message for us today and we are here for good. I didn't come up with these things. You all came up with these things. I was excited to be part of a church that had a vision like this. And Andy and Camille feel the same way. They are excited to come and to be part of a church that knows where it's going, has heard God's call. One last thing I want to share. It's found in part of the text. Jesus says, 
when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of heart and mind. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. God has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and to give us our vision and to keep us from fear. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. We are not alone. God's vision for this church is clear. God has called us into a community. God has called us into places of need. God has called us to share the good news of God's love with those who have yet to hear it and with those who have felt excluded for whatever reason. God has called us to work for justice in the world. God's vision for us in this time is strong and clear. We are called to continue to be vital and vibrant and loving. That is where we are called. So hold on to that vision. Help it to take root in your life. I love you, and you will continue to grow. You will continue to be who God is calling you to be. And this will happen when you remember the most important things, the second of which is vision. Let us pray.